0: Today, on It's Time. I'm saying the Bible says there is massive tectonic plate movement coming. I hear the calling, it's time. It's time.
1: It's time. time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler. Pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, he's going verse by verse through the book of Revelation. So turn there in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike.
0: The third seal, and it says, come and see, and a black horse had a pair of scales in his hand. This is famine, and it spreads throughout the world. You know, if you're not running tractors to grow food, you're using all your manpower to blow each other up. This is a problem. Now, we know that there will never be peace on earth until the Prince of Peace comes. The United Nations has failed miserably. We find all the other things that man has tried to do. Because you cannot have peace without the Prince of Peace, and that's Jesus Christ. The fourth seal. I heard the voice of four living creatures saying, come and see. By the way, again, as I shared last week, God's good pleasure is for you to know. The book of Revelation, we don't teach that in our church. It it causes division. (laughs) Well, then you better start reading the rest of the Bible. Because if you can't take the entirety of God's word, there's something wrong. He says, Come and see. God's good pleasure is so that you know what's going to happen. Now, again, friends, my prayer for everyone listening, everyone in this room, is that you are right with God. Here's why Revelation chapter four, verse one the trumpet blows. The church goes to heaven. I pray that if that happens in the next 20 minutes or the next 20 years, you're ready to go. You don't want to play with your eternity. Hell is real. Eternity is a long, long time, and you don't want to allow yourself to be in a place of compromise. Now he says, he opened the seal, and the fourth living creature says, come and see, and I look before a pale horse. And the name of him who sat on it was death, and Hades followed him. Now, this is weird. Now, this is something we don't normally catch. You have on this horse, and again, as we look at this pale horse, it says death is riding on the horse, and then, and then, um, as he says, Hades is following him. So it seems to be a tandem ride on this horse. You've got, it appears to be like two creatures on this one horse. Death, friends, is what happens when you starve to death or whatever might happen. But Hades is eternal separation from God. Actually, this outlines two of the deaths. You see, your first death, is where you die from this earth. And the second death is eternal separation from God. That, that's bad. So That's why the old idiom goes, born once, die twice. Die, t- Born twice, die once. That's why Jesus said, marvel not that I say to you in John chapter 3, you must be born again. Well, he tells us here, death in Hades 80s followed him. Now notice, Power was given to them, notice the plural word here, not singular, to them, death in 80s, over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, with hunger, with death. And the beasts of the earth. This is weird. There's quite an arsenal in these dynamic duos, if you will, of how they're going to wreak havoc on this earth. Over a quarter of the world. You figure, what is there on earth today? Probably right around 8 billion people. You're talking 2 billion people die here. This is pretty serious stuff. We're not used to seeing that kind of carnage on a massive picture. Now, notice something else. It says the beasts of the earth. Oh, those lions and tigers and bears, oh my. No. It means in the original language, any living organism. Biological warfare probably is what's being outlined here. You look at the Second World War, mustard gas and all that that happened there. You look at Saddam Hussein and what he did to the Kurds in northern Iraq. And you realize that biological warfare is real. And this is one of the scary things, it says, by the living things of the earth. Well, he tells us here. He opened the fifth seal, and I saw under that the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God. We're into the tribulation now. The Antichrist is going out, conquering and to conquer. This guy on the white horse, Revelation, uh, 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 verse 1-2 of uh, chapter 6. And so you have the Antichrist going out, conquering the conqueror. The Christians, of course, those that you've witnessed to, those that you've told about the Lord, maybe backslidden Christians, are, are in a place, and they're realizing what is happening. They won't take the mark of the beast. They won't capitulate to his system. And the Bible says they are martyred. And it says he opened the seal, and the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? A white robe was given to each one of them. Now, this is important, because when we get up here, you'll see why. Uh, And they said that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of the fellow servants of their brethren, who would be killed as they were, was completed. We're going to talk about that in just a second. Then we find the sixth seal. I looked, behold, open a sixth seal. There was in heaven a great earthquake. The sun became black, a sackcloth of air. Moon became as blood, like blood. It doesn't say become blood. It says like blood. In other words, it's blotted out. It's red-looking, a lot of pollution in the atmosphere. Stars from, from heaven, like a fig tree, drops its figs shaken by a mighty wind. The, ski, the sky recedes as a scroll. When it is rolled up, every mountain and island was moved out of its place. Friends, this... It's really weird. You know what you're talking here? Major tectonic plate movement. Now, this is the gig. I listen to the evolutionists. We've all heard them spout off their non-factual junk, okay? They say, well, as an example. Now, I don't want anybody to spaz out and put your house up for sale tomorrow, okay? But we have Yellowstone. How many people know there's problems in Yellowstone? Has anybody followed that in the news? You know, Lake Yellowstone, the ground is building up on one side, so you have picnic tables down here that are now in the water, and what was once shoreline is now high and dry. They have closed different places in Yellowstone because there's hot spots on the ground that will melt your tennis shoes. And speaking of that, I'm wearing flip-flops today. I've never worn flip-flops in church in the whole years I've been here. I was in Arizona, I have very flat feet, and my feet hurt when I wear funky shoes. But I got a pair of shoes that I like, I got them in a store, and they're good. I got on my roof in Arizona to work on my swamp cooler. I walked across my roof, and I was doing it, I got all done, I put it back, and then I walked back down, started going down the stairs, and I noticed it felt like something was stuck to the bottom of my feet. And I thought, that's weird, and I got down, and the bottom of my shoes had melted off. Literally melted off. And I looked at that, and I couldn't believe it. And so I got them home, and I I took them apart. And, um, well, they're sitting at home, and I I have my flip-flops on. I don't know what that story had to do with anything I'm talking about. I just wanted to share that with you. But the point is, is that when we look at what's happening in our world, when we look and we go back to what is happening, and again, this Tectonic plate movement. The Bible says, oh, the earth is billions of years old. And like I say, you go to Yellowstone, there's places marked off. Hiking trails in Yellowstone are closed because the ground is so hot, it will melt your shoes. I know what that means. And so because of that, they don't know. Well, there's no imminent eruption uh, that they can find. Well, praise God for that. I'm happy. I trust them. I hope they're telling us the truth. Mount St. Helens blew up, 1980. Most, some of you remember it. Um, I had a pastor friend up in uh, Coeur or yeah, Coeur d'Alene, and he said it was the weirdest thing. He said at three or four in the afternoon, it looked like night. It was just the, the, the atmosphere was so full of of, of cloud and, and ash plume and everything. The heavy ash, the heavy ash went out 12 miles, 12 to 15 miles is what scientists tell us. Now. Every volcano has its own little footprint, the little crystalline formation of manganese and sulfur and not sulfur, but but all the different chemical uh, silicon and all these things. They know where the where that came from. And it went out 12 miles. Here's the thing. When Yellowstone blew up the last time, the heavy ash didn't go out 12 miles or 15 miles. It went to Tennessee. This, they said, is a super volcano. This thing has the potential of taking America completely off the map. Now think about it for a minute. If you live in Southern California, we have many radio stations in California. So all of you in California, hi. But here's the point. They are telling everybody there is the big one coming. Everybody heard about that? The big one. Okay. We're not talking like a 5-0 or a 6-0. They're now thinking this is going to be a 9 or a 10 off the scale. The Cascadia Fault over in Oregon and Washington, right off the coast, that will take out. If it went today, it would take out Portland and Seattle, gone. They did some research, they did some archaeological digs of, of different strata, actually, geological digs, and, and they found that this actually would have, will cover everything when the Cascadia Fault goes, not counting San Andreas. They say, Mom, where are you going with all this? I'm saying the Bible says there is massive tectonic plate movement coming, so the shorelines will change, the topography of the Earth will change. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, the Bible talks about the Earth being basically one mass, and a guy was born, and his name was Peleg. And it says, when the earth broke apart, maybe that was the start of the continental drift. I don't know. I suppose if the earth broke apart, never mind, you think about it. That's how I remember it. The point is simply this. We have all lived in what's called time continuum. All things remain as they are. But the Bible says things are going to change. And when they begin to change, they're going to change rapidly. Notice what it says. The sky receded. The kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and the rocks and the mountains and said to the rocks and the mountains, fall on us and hide us from him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Notice they don't call out to God. They're They're green people. They call out to the earth. Well, here's why that's important. Every mountain and island moves out of its place. Friends, the world's going to be a bad place. The dawning of the age of Aquarius that you hear the fifth dimension sing about ain't good. The world that John Lennon sings is, imagine no heaven above us, no hell below us, above us only sky, and the world will be as one. Friends, it ain't good. Chapter 7. After these things, I saw four angels standing in the four corners of the earth. Now, this is where a lot of people get the idea of a flat earth. But it's not, and again, if it's corners, that would speak that the earth is square or cube. Well, it's not either. He's using the picture like a map. When you lay a map out on a, on a table, you have what? Four corners, okay? Okay. Not a hard thing to understand. It says, I saw the four corners on the earth holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea. Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees until we have sealed the servants of God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000, all the tribes of the children of Israel sealed. Now... Here it says, all the tribes of Israel. Any religious group that comes along and says, oh, our church has the 144,000 in it. Run, they're lying. That's the bottom line. Here's why. It says they are from the tribes of the children of Israel. And just so nobody can mess it up, and yet people do, he lists the tribes by name, from the tribe of Judah. 12,000 were sealed. From the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 were sealed. From the tribe of Gad, 12,000 were sealed. And so on down the line, all of these tribes of Israel. By the way, somebody might say the tribe of Dan is missing. Why is it? I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. The tribe of Dan in the Old Testament was the first tribe of Israel to lead Israel into idolatry. And maybe God remembered that. I don't know. But here we find... 12,000 from the 12 tribes of Israel by name. So no exclusive religious group can say, oh, that's us. And this is just figuratively speaking. They need to read Revelation 22. If you add to God's word, take away from God's word. God will add to you the plagues of this book. I'm not going to add to it. It says they are Jews from the 12 tribes of Israel. How much more plain can you get? Now, second of all, I don't want to be one of the 144,000, nor do you. Do you know why? You're in the middle of the tribulation period. And I want to be in heaven at that big table where the Lord is is rewarding us for what we've done for him, where the Bible talks about us being his bride. That's where I want to be. I want the heavenly view. I don't want the earthly view. I want the heavenly view. I want you to have the heavenly view. And so it says 12,000 from the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, again, he tells us very clearly that they are servants. Why? They are God's messengers during the tribulation period. Well, where are the church? Where's the Christians? They're gone. They were raptured or they're being martyred. We're going to talk more about that right now. After these things, behold, a great number, which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hand. That was verse 9. Verse 10. Crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That is what the tribulation martyrs are saying in heaven. And the angels around the throne, and the elders and the four living creatures, fell on their faces before the throne, and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Amen blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Now here's what's really cool. I thank God for John. I thank God that he didn't just go, okay, well, notice what it says. Verse 13. Then one of the elders answered and said to me, who are these in white robes? And where do they come from? Now the angel is asking John this. And John goes, beats me. Actually, if you look, that's kind of what he says. He said to him, sir, thou knowest, you know. So he said to me, these are the ones. Now, who are we talking about here? Let's just back up. Verse 9, this great big group of people that come up. These are the ones who come up out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among him. It's interesting that the tribulation saints have at least at this point, a little bit different position. We're at the marriage supper of the lamb. We're in heaven rejoicing with God again, going back. He's made us kings and priests and all these. But these guys that come up out of the tribulation, they're servants. Oh, there's a blessing, friends, in going in the rapture. They shall ne- neither hunger anymore. Now, we remember going back to the black horse, the the famine. They'll neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun will not strike them anymore or any heat. For the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to fountains of water, and God will wipe away Every tear from their eyes. I imagine, friends, the tears that will come out of the saints during the Great Tribulation will be a river. I really do. I believe that this time of, you know, we can see right now in our whole geopolitical world, not only in America, but around the world, evil is good and good is evil. If you stand up and say anything about the LBGT community, or you stand up and say anything about the slaughter of the unborn, well, you're you're that's hate speech. No, really, the Bible tells us what's acceptable and what isn't. If I find myself in that crowd, I just need to repent, but I ought not try to justify it. And so when we see what is evil and what is good has been swapped. We have to then say, God, help me not be polluted by the mindset of this world. And so when the Antichrist goes out conquering and to conquer, and he then sets himself up as the one to be worshipped, are you going to worship him? Or are you going to say, you're just a dude, you put your pants on just like I do. And that's one of the great problems. People are designed, now again, the Ten Commandments, were never meant to justify anybody. They were meant to show all of us how desperately we need a Savior. And do you know, as you study uh, 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 young and Freud in your psychology classes in college, as they try to get to the deep nitty-gritty of humankind, you know the Ten Commandments tells you everything that's wrong with man? God says, worship God, and Him only shall you serve. What does that tell me about humankind? It tells me that within the nature of man, we are designed to worship something. And we'll pursue our whole lives worshiping the wrong things. The Bible tells us six days you shall work on the seventh you'll rest. It tells me two things. One, either we're lazy and we won't work any day of the week. Or we're workaholics and just that extra day keep your nose to the grindstone. And you miss life. If you look, it says, thou shalt not steal. What is that? That tells me by nature, we're thieves. When we look at all of this in the Bible, it identifies what's wrong with humans. The Bible says we cannot fix ourselves. We're incapable of repairing us. We're too badly broken. Have you ever noticed that in your life? Why do I do the things I do? Believe me, you're not the only one that's ever said that. But that's what the Bible talks about. The depravity of man. This is just what we are. We need a Savior. That's what Jesus Christ came. And that's what Jesus Christ came to do.
1: Thanks for joining us on It's Time. As Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed the program or would like to catch up.